0: Welcome to the Rock of Bay County, Florida, where our vision is to be a multi-generational gathering, moving as one body to bring the glory of Yahweh to this beautiful county and to all the earth. We hope you are encouraged and blessed as you listen to this message. That Some more tonight, but Genesis chapter 12, I'm going to be reading out of the Passion Translation. If you don't have one of those, get to so uh, get two, so you'll be able to follow along. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now you always said to Abram, leave it all behind. Your native land, your people, your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. Follow me and I'll make you into a great nation. I will exceedingly bless and prosper you, and I will make you famous so that you will be a tremendous source of blessing for others. I will bless all who bless you and curse all who curse you and through you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Could you believe that one man could cause all of the families of the earth to be blessed? So Abram obeyed Yahweh and left and Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran after his father died. He took his wife Sarah, his Nephew Lot and all the possessions and people he had acquired in Haran. And they departed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land and stopped the sacred site of Shechem, famous for the great oak of Mori. At the time, the Canaanites were also in the land. Then Yahweh appeared before Abram and said, this is the land I will personally deliver to your seed. This is the land that I will personally deliver to your seed. So Abram erected an altar there to Yahweh who had appeared before him. From there he journeyed on toward the hill country east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built another altar to Yahweh where he prayed and worshipped Yahweh. Then Abram journeyed from there by stages through the southern desert region. Your Bible may say the region of Negev. Now, back up to chapter 11 and look at verse 27, just the chapter before. It's just a little bit of Abram's lineage. Here are the descendants of Terah, Terah being the father of Abram. Terah was the father of Abram, Nehor, and Haran, and Haran was the father of Lot. Haran preceded his father Terah in death in the land of his birth in the Chaldean city of Ur. The brothers Abram and Nahor were both married. Abram's wife was Sarah. Nahor married the daughter of his deceased brother Haran. Her name was Milcah. Her sister was Iscah. Now Sarah was barren and childless. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah. His son, Abram's wife, watch this, and they all departed together from the Chaldean city of Ur, to go to the land of Canaan. Remember where Abram left Haran to go, Canaan. But before Abram started the journey into Canaan, Abram's father, Terah, started the journey into Canaan. But when Terah had journeyed as far as Haran, he settled there. Terah lived 205 years and died in Haran. Terah loses a son to death by the name of Haran. Starts a journey into the land of Canaan and stops at a city named for the son he lost. When Terah gets to Haran, he stops in Haran and doesn't finish his intended journey into Canaan. Why is it important that somebody get to Canaan? because Canaan was a land functioning under the curse because of the perverse behavior of a man named Ham. Noah goes through the flood, gets off the boat, has three sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. Ham, Shem, and Japheth. Noah gets off the boat after being on a boat with all of his family for an extended period of time and does what any man would do, he plants a vineyard. He'd been on the boat with animals and kinfolk, he planted a vineyard. He plants a vineyard, he drinks too much of the fruit of the vine, he gets drunk, he's naked in his tent, one of his sons by the name of Ham comes into the tent, the Bible said he saw his father's nakedness. We've used this to represent honoring spiritual authority and it really works well that way. But something far more than seeing his father's nakedness happen. The word saw there is defined to stare intently as with desire. Ham saw his father's nakedness. The Bible said Noah woke up and realized what had been done to him. Some type of homosexual action happened between Ham and his father Noah so that Noah woke up, realized what had been done to him, and said, curse be Canaan. Canaan did nothing but have a pervert for a father. Ham operated in perversion. The curse fell on the next generation. The curse fell on. Canaan. Now when I say Canaan to you in this tent, the first thing you think of is the promised land. The land flowing with milk and honey. But there was a season where Canaan was under a curse because before Canaan was a land, Canaan was a family. And before Canaan was a family, Canaan was a man. And when there was a man by the name of Canaan operating under the curse of the perversion of his father, it caused an entire portion of the globe to fall under the curse of perversion. One generation's compromise will become the next generations captivity that's why it's never enough to stop and honor a man who did it well because if a curse is passed to the next generation because of the failure of a father then what measure of blessing should you and I be anticipating because we've come under the government of a father who finished well no Generation in history has ever handed the next generation a move of God the closest thing in all of history is what David gave to Solomon but Solomon ended poorly and because Solomon ended poorly the next generation has one of its most wicked kings come after Solomon now watch what happens here this is so fascinating what Abram has to do is pick up where his father left off. One of the most challenging things fathers will ever do in the faith is get over the loss of sons. One of the most challenging things you'll ever do as a leader is have those who declared their loyal to you, who walked with loyalty to you, who walked with you, who said, If everybody else leaves you, I never will, and you'll find most of them walk away from you as well. You have to make sure the loss of those sons doesn't stop the journey into transformation. Oh. It stops Terah, so the word of the Lord then comes to Abram. And that word of the Lord is, go to the land that I'll show you. But there's a Hebrew translation here that's really significant. The translator of the Passion Translation of the Bible, Dr. Brian Simmons, puts in his footnotes that go to the land that I'll show you is a word play in Hebrew that literally means go to the land where you can be your authentic self. He he doesn't just tell him to leave what's familiar. He tells him to leave the misidentification of a father who was unable to finish the journey. Could be the journey into self-discovery, but before it's ever a journey into self-discovery, it's a journey away from the misidentification that came because he was connected to a father who was unwilling to finish the trip. Salah. Let he that has an ear to hear, hear. Watch what happens. Then Yahweh sends Abram to the land that he shows him, which is Canaan. Many scholars believe the reason why Yahweh didn't say go to Canaan is because Abram would not have wanted to travel into the place of the curse. The answer for the land that was functioning under the curse was a man who was about to be re-identified, not as Abram, but Abram. Well, where'd the whole problem start? Ham. So Abram didn't just get his name changed. He recovered what Ham had forfeited and he becomes Abraham, goes back into the place of the curse and the land is transformed into what would by the time Joshua got there be a land flowing with milk and honey that it took two men to carry one cluster of grapes. Because when you find out who you are, the land starts to respond to your reidentification. Abraham. The answer for the land is a man who knows who he is. Journeying away from misidentification, being rooted in beloved identity, letting the core of all that identifies you be that you are dearly loved by Abba. What is what is Romans 8 groaning and travailing for? Not, not the manifestation of apostles and prophets. That's only foundational. It's a great place to start and a terrible place to stop. The Bible said the church was to be established upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Those gifts are there to identify who you really are. So you can step out of misidentification because the answer for creation in chaos is a man in order. So the groaning of the chaotic cosmos is crying out for the man who has been identified in sonship by way of beloved identity. When you and I begin to function as we were designed to function, we naturally begin to bring cosmic transformation. You have to dare to believe that Yeshua did more than make a way for you to die and let your disembodied soul find a far-flung dimension called heaven. He redeemed you from the curse so that you could be agents of reclamation that brought transition and transformation to the curse that was still present within the cosmos. For Yahweh so loved the world that he sent his son that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For the Son of Man did not come into the cosmos to condemn the cosmos, but that through him the cosmos might be saved. How many of you believe Yeshua fully accomplished the assignment of death, burial, and resurrection at Calvary? Then somebody's got to start leveraging cosmic transformation. Abram, under an inferior covenant, changes a curse into a land flowing with milk and honey by way of personal identification. What should you and I be doing in Bay County? Build a great church. Build a base that'll touch the world. Sound familiar? Evangelize Bay County. We're here to finish it. Watch what happens in this process. Abram has a son, of course, by the name of Isaac, who has a son, of course, by the name of Jacob, who becomes Israel, who has 12 tribes as son, one being Joseph, the other being Benjamin. Now watch this carefully, because this is where this gets freaky interesting. Matter of fact, go to Genesis 28. Let's just nerd out together a little while if we can. I feel like a whoo in here. Handelibiotoramasik. Genesis 28, and I think I'll begin reading here for the sake of time in about verse 10. Genesis twenty-eight ten. Jacob left Beersheba and journeyed toward Haran. Sound familiar? He encountered a certain place. This is what Yahweh spoke to me driving here to declare. He told me to tell you you're in a certain place. He said, tell you you're in a place of certainty. A certain place doesn't just mean a random place. It means a pre-described holy place. It's what Mark began to share that a man who unloaded cases of water now has his brother kneeling right where he stacked the cases of water. That's pretty good stuff. So you see, the, you see the transformation. When Yahweh begins to swirl, he begins to identify places. The kingdom of God is about two things, generations and territories. Every time Yahweh would start talking to a father in all of Scripture, he would talk to him about two things, territory and generations territory and generations. So it's imperative that you understand that you went through a re-identification, which does not mean, listen to this, it does not mean you got identified differently. It meant you got identified fully when you went from being the rock of Panama City to being the rock of Bay County. Why? Because with every subsequent generation, there should be more governmental permission for more territory. Come on. So you went from a city to a county So that Frank and Leo can go from a county to Northwest Florida, so that generate because we're going to be here a while. I've been promised at least four hundred years, not 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 me personally. Apostle Aaron thinks I can hang around for the whole thing. I'm I'm with it. I say every time I look at Miss Robbie, it proves to me that you can reverse time. She's figured it out. Whatever that her and Ellen Garlez have figured out how to turn the clock back. Apparently, but I want to I want to say to you that. He, he's traveling here back to Haran, and this is, where, this is where this really gets interesting. He encountered a certain place. So what's happening here tonight, let me just talk about this a little while. You're encountering a measure of the presence that has been reserved to be released in a certain place. Not everywhere that we go are we able to do what we did in here tonight. Now, we know the protocol of why we can release and leverage and counter the way we did tonight is because of honor. It's also because Yahweh has laid a foundation and He did not intend for the rest of the future of the Rock of Bay County to be people coming to inspect the foundation. He intended to build something on the foundation that would give you the ability to become a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden, become the salt and light that you were designed for. And to to stay about foundation is to actually insult the success of the man and woman who laid the foundation. I'm going to talk tonight. I'm going to talk about this. See, if if you have to go war, what I warred against you insulted me because you said I didn't finish in my day what I was assigned to finish. If we believe that those that went before us finished the act of foundation, then watch this thing start to climb higher and higher as it goes from glory to glory to glory to glory. It's a certain place. There are few places of certitude. There are few places where the foundation has been laid. There are few places where the infrastructure can be supported generationally. There are few places that have a foundation significant enough that I could prophetically define for you that you are in a certain place. You're in a certain place. travels to a certain place at sunset and camped there for the night. He took a stone from there and made it his pillow. He lay down to sleep. He had a dream of a stairway securely fixed on the earth, reaching into heaven. In his dream, messengers of Yahweh were ascending and descending on the stairway. Yahweh stood beside him and said to him, I am Yahweh, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac. You are lying on the very ground that I will give to you and your descendants. Sound familiar? It's the exact same certain place where Yahweh made the exact same certain promise to his grandfather, Abram. Now, Jacob is there in that certain place on the way back to Haran. Watch, I'll prove it to you. They will become as numerous. This is your descendants. You are lying on the very ground that I will give to you and your descendants. They will become as numerous as the specks of the dust on the earth. They will extend their territory in all directions. Through you and your descendants, I'll bless the whole world. Sound familiar? Never forget, I'm always with you and will protect you wherever you go. And one day I'll bring you back to this land, for I will neither leave you. One day I'll bring you back to this land. I'm seeing it. To fulfill every word I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his dream, he said, "Yahweh is here. He is in this place and I didn't realize it. How awesome is this place." A certain place is an awesome place. Yahweh is about to make this certain place an awesome place. The place of certitude is going to become a fountain of outpouring. I have stumbled right into the house of God. This place is a portal, the very gate of heaven. Early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that was under his head. He set it up as a pillar and anointed it by pouring oil over the top of it. He named the place Bethel. But the city was once called Luz. He named the place Bethel. Remember, in chapter 12, Abram built an altar between Bethel and Ai. The writer is presupposing that you knew that the grandson actually had to come the name, the place of his grandfather's encounter. It was not called Bethel or Bethel when Abram was there. It was just a certain place. Jacob comes back to his grandfather's certain place. And has an encounter with God the same way his grandfather had an encounter with God. And in the certain place, he said, this place is called Bethel. The house of God is the gate of heaven. You are the house of God. Yeshua said, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll build it again. They knew not that he spake of the temple of his own body. Know you not that your body shall be called the temple of the Holy Ghost? Wherever you accept your status as a son, you actually become a house, and a house becomes a gate or an access point for encounters like we experienced in this room tonight. Now, I want to show you what I believe happens in this storyline. I believe that Jacob is journeying along and unexpectedly, without realizing it, he stumbles into the portal that is accessible because of his grandfather's altar. The Bi- Mighty God. The Bible said Jacob took a stone and turned it into a pillow. Hebrew scholars believe that Jacob took off of his grandfather's altar a stone and his place to rest and dream was at the place where his grandfather established an altar of certitude. I feel like running laps in this tent right now. I, I know, I know he, he didn't like this language years ago, but he came to grips with it toward the end of his life. I am Nolan Ball's spiritual grandson. I am F. Nolan Ball's spiritual grant. You know, I have caught more hell in my life for being joined to Nolan Ball than anything I've ever done or said. No, that's the truth. It's the truth. When I was doing the big famous preacher thing and traveling all over the world, I had people say, "You better not have him in. He's joined to this guy." And then they'd send a YouTube clip. I, I said, "I got some more clips. I can send you if you want some more." And kiss off. I don't need to come to your church anyway. I got my own money. Shut up. <laughs> Listen, I'm Nolan Ball's grandson. This is my son. Okay Watch this. Abraham, Isaac, Israel. The sons of the third generation are the tribes that fulfill God's promise to Abraham. Why is this important? If you understand what was established here, it'll bring you into your greatest seat of rest. Jacob doesn't build an altar where his grandfather built an altar. He rolls a stone off of his grandfather's altar and finds a place to rest because of the foundation that was laid there by his grandfather in a place of certitude. I can rest now because the foundation's been laid. Why is it important for Jacob to come into a place of rest? Because Jacob needs to learn to dream. Jacob is a trickster. Jacob is a manipulator. Jacob is a heel grabber. The very first thing we learn about Jacob is that he grabs a heel. He falls under the influence of a manipulative Jezebel spirit operating within his mother that causes him to steal the birthright of his brother And now we've got Jacob the heel grabber beginning to have encounters that he never should have had based on his own merit, but he actually stumbled into his grandfather's covenant with God. And in the shade of his grandfather's covenant with God, he takes a nap on the altar of his grandfather, and he begins to dream that this is going to become the house of God and the gate of heaven. And he names the place Bethel. a certain place becomes Bethel. Here we go. Ready? If you understand the value of what has been established here, then you're going to have to accept that it's time to learn to rest because there are dreams that Yahweh is waiting to dream with you. Hebrews 4 talks about a people who never accessed rest because when they heard a word, they did not mix faith with it. And the scripture says the word that they heard did not profit them because they did not mix faith with it. Therefore, Yahweh was displeased with them because they never did enter into his rest. Part of my apostolic assignment as it relates to providing oversight now to this family, which is still stupid, mind-blowing to me, Part of my responsibility in that is to announce to you that this is a new age. This is not this is not the age of the fivefold ministry. The foundation of the age of the fivefold ministry has given us access to do more than spend our lives declaring the restoration of the fivefold ministry. How, How can you say that? Because that was done so well. That by the time I came on the scene, you got a generation who we don't have to fight to get you to believe they're apostles. We're actually functioning apostolically and seeing transformation because of the way of... Why? Because faithful pioneers said, this is going to cost us big time, but we're going to declare it anyway. Jacob takes a stone from his grandfather's altar, lays his head on that stone and begins to rest, wakes up and names the place of his grandfather's covenant, Bethel. Later on, Jacob would travel again and Jacob would have another dream in the land that was promised to Abraham. In this dream, Jacob would find himself in a wrestling match. What, what, is, what Yahweh was doing in the second dream was not identifying the place, Bethel. He was identifying the man, Israel. Dream number one, come on. Dream number one, you're in a special place. Dream number two, I need you to become the man who can effectively bring reclamation to the place. So first he starts talking about territorial identification. Then he begins to talk about authentic identification. Listen, because a place or a certain place, a place of certitude, becomes a place where you can receive permission to become the most authentic version of who you've been designed to be. The next dream happens in Genesis 32. In Genesis 32, the Bible says something like this. Jacob was alone, and he wrestled with a man. The word man there is the word for a common male, and it is never any time ever in the Bible used to describe God. Jacob was alone, and he wrestled with a man. See, we made Jacob wrestle with God because we did not understand the wrestling into identification. Jacob wrestled with Israel. God does not stoop down to wrestle. The next verse says, and Jacob was prevailing. So now we put Yahweh in a wrestling match with a man that he's losing. And has to ask, let me go. No, Jacob is wrestling with Israel. This is what Yahweh is doing now. He's bringing us into a place of authentic identification by way of bringing us into a place of certitude. He brings you into a certain place so he can begin to deal with the last part of you that's still a trickster, still a heel grabber, still has an angle. Still a slave to fear. That last part of you that says, if I don't trick and I don't manipulate and I don't work it, then I'm not going to get what I want. So, what I've got to do is, I've got to be strategic and I've got to be competitive and I've got to be petty. And by being strategic and competitive and petty and trying to work an angle, we announce over and over again that we have still not entered into the fullness of the understanding of the measure of trust that should be available in a place of certain certitude, a certain place, certain places. Well, brother, it's just a building. You can leave. Because it's not just a building. You, to you, it may be just a building. And you know what? If that's your mentality, you'll never, ever, ever enter into the fullness of what you've been. That's the same kind of people that say, I can worship God however I want to. The moment you do it how you want to, it can't be defined as God anymore. It may still be worship, but so is idolatry. Salah. Jacob's second wrestling match has to do not with the name of the land. It has to do with the name of the man, which has everything to do with the identity of the land. See, think think about what the land is waiting on. Romans 8 talks about a creation in chaos groaning... For freedom, this is interesting, from futility. Romans 8 starts talking about a man being liberated from futility. The man who's been liberated from futility becomes the answer for the land that needs to be liberated from futility. That word futility there literally means leaky. It means Yahweh pours something into you but you can't hold it because you've not gone through a significant enough process of transformation. The word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah and he says, Get thee down to the potter's house, for there are some things I must show you there. He said, It was there that I saw the vessel wrought upon the wheel. Spinning on the wheel. The next part of the verse says, And the vessel was marred in the hands of the potter. And he made it again another vessel as seemeth good to the potter to make. Watch this. He made it again another. Did he make it again or another? Yes. He took the same substance and made something so different than what it originally was that it was difficult to tell if it was it again or another. And this is what Yahweh is doing. He says, now that you're in a place of certitude and you've gone through the process of being marred in the hands of the potter, I'm going to reform you into something that is going to be confusing to people who want to feel safe because you stayed the same way you've always been. He made it again another vessel that seemeth good to the potter to make. Feel the grace... For transition by coming into a certain place where you can begin to receive permission for the most authentic identity you've ever functioned in in your life who are you really because what happens when that move of the spirit happens like it did tonight and all of a sudden you start to spin and dance and for a minute you forget who you've been trying to get people to think that you are and in that moment, you become an authentic expression of who you actually are, and the real you is what the chaotic globe has been waiting on. And the reason the foundation is so important is because it's a certain place. It's a certain place. How how how, how important is a piece of ground? It's just a piece of ground. It's just a piece of land. It's just what you know. Just a building. It's just well. Careful. Be careful, because. There's a woman in the Old Testament by the name of Ruth who has a mother-in-law by the name of Naomi. Naomi's husband dies. Ruth's husband dies, which is the son of Naomi, and her brother-in-law also dies. Naomi loses both sons. She's got two daughter-in-laws. One we don't know anything about because she didn't stay connected to the root of covenant. Naomi make, Ruth makes the bold declaration to Naomi where you go, I'll go. Your people be my people. Your God shall be my God. Therefore, Ruth makes the transition. Ruth is a Moabitess. She makes the transition from Moab into the land of Israel. She there finds Boaz farming a field. Naomi sends Ruth into the field to glean from the edges of the field until Boaz takes notice of Ruth gleaning the edges of the field. Later on, Ruth gets, Ruth gets tired of gleaning and proposes. She said, I'd rather be an owner in the center than a gleaner on the edges. Some of you have lived on the edges of what's available and you're just glad you're getting enough to keep you alive and Yahweh's trying to make you a deed holder instead of somebody who's getting crumbs on the outskirts. He, she, she marries Boaz and Boaz and Ruth have a son by the name of Obed. Obed has a son by the name of Jesse and Jesse has the son by the name of David which I have, if I had time I would teach you David wasn't even legitimately qualified to be king over Israel because his great grandma was a Moabitess. But if Yahweh wants you in the spot... There's nothing in your backstory that can keep you from becoming who he designed you to be. It doesn't matter how much hell you went through, how much betrayal you went through, how much pain you went through. If he wants you in the story, he puts you in the story. Is anybody glad to be in the story? So he just says, hmm, you. And you go, him? <laughs> well, he's not been trained. <laughs> that's, the, that's what everybody said that I didn't want him to turn out like. He's not been trained. I said, perfect. See, Yeshua, get, I'm about to run in here, man, I'm telling you. Yeshua needs a donkey nobody's ever ridden. Follow, 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 watch this, this is important. This is important. He says, go find me a colt okay, to fulfill the prophecy that he would come lowly riding on a colt. Nowhere in the scripture is it ever prophesied that the colt had never been ridden. A colt, we ride colts. We have horses. We ride colts. We take two-year-olds. We take them through a process of exposure. We, call it, we don't call it breaking horses anymore because it's not politically correct. We start horses, and then we finish them. You know, Can't break them anymore. So, But we ride colts, so the fact that the horse was to be a colt did not mean it had never been ridden. Yeshua goes further than the prophecy, and he finds one that has never experienced any weight but his own. And the Bible said that the disciples go and tell the man that Yeshua has need of the colt. The man gives him the colt. Then the Bible says they took their mantles and they laid it on the colt. So the first weight the cult ever experienced was the weight of the apostolic. The first thing to ever touch the colt's back was an apostolic mantle. See, that's, that's why Mark talked about the wild ones for a little bit when this thing first started because there was something stirring in here that if you just let your cork pop, there's some measure of freedom that will begin to come on the inside of you if you won't measure your hallelujah because you've been disappointed in the past. If you dare to believe that those chariots will never chase me again. See, it, it's hard for people to even hear that because you learned to be a fighter. I'm telling you, Yahweh didn't design you to spend the rest of your life in warfare. You're not being a... Listen. We've learned to be good soldiers, but we're actually designed to be kings and priests. So he takes a colt that no one's ever ridden and puts an apostolic mantle and what was unprepared before the apostolic mantled it is prepared not because of Bible college and not because of seminary and not because he served on staff at a church for 10 years. He's prepared and he's more prepared because the first thing he ever experienced was the apostolic. Do you remember the the demoniac in the region of the Gadarenes naked in a graveyard cutting himself with rocks and can be held by no chain filled with legions of demons? Remember he's naked and then the Bible said the men of the city came back and found him clothed in his right mind, sitting at the feet of Jesus. There wasn't one place he could have got his clothes from, the apostles. And a man who was as screwed up as anybody in the history of the Bible, if not the world, asked Jesus after his conversion, if I can follow you. And Jesus said, no, you stay here. I want to put you in charge of ten cities. He sent him to the region of Decapolis, which means ten cities. He, he, he said, "Jesus, I want to go with you." And I'm, I'm trying to help Jesus with leadership technique and tell him, "Listen, this brother right here needs a little extra attention. I know you're not, <laughs> I know you're not big on pastoral care, Lord. Neither am I. But this one guy who had a legion of demons." And was naked in a graveyard, cutting himself with rocks and could be held by no chain. Might want to put him on the boat, keep an eye on him for, I don't know, a week. But see, Yeshua has a different process inside of the revelation of the apostolic. Instead of the 12-step program, you get the one-step program, which is out of darkness and into marvelous light. Just one step. Just one step. And and we've not known we've not known what to do with people like this. They need to be trained. Trained by who? Trained by what? Jesus rides that cult into a place of triumph. And the only thing that stood between the glorious weight of the Christ and the cult was the apostolic to say, I know you think you're not ready for this, but you can handle the weight the glory of Yahweh. What man, what man who didn't think he was getting in the ministry and had people fighting him getting into this spot ended up in this spot and got hit by one of the biggest hurricanes in the history of America and said, I think I'll keep that spot anyway, and let's continue to move forward, because I'm telling you, when the apostolic is in place, you can handle the weight. Come on, is anybody thankful for a faithful son and daughter that the apostolic said you can handle the weight? This is what we want to do. We want to... We want to take people who have been raised in the apostolic and we make them want to go through the same process of people who have not been raised in the apostolic. But I'm telling you, the grandson of Abraham did not have to do what Abraham had to do. He just had to honor what Abraham was willing to do. He brought conversion to that land. He'd say that with a natural grandson who says, instead of fighting for position, I'll just stay and enjoy the shade of my grandfather's covenant with Yahweh. And I see him coming alive, being exactly who he was designed to be, being a prophetic voice that can be wild and free. Why? Why? What? What? Are Are they ready? Yeah, because the apostolic mantle them, and I'm staying in their life to make sure that mantle never moves. So watch this. This is fascinating. It's just 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 a field that Ruth was in. No, it's not just a field that Ruth was in. It's a field that, according to Hebraic tradition through the process Yahweh taught in Leviticus of crop rotation, by the time Jesse came along, that field would have been used for grazing rather than crops. Salah. So Yeshua searches the planet looking for a king for Israel. Many people say it was never Yahweh's intention for Israel to be ruled by a king, that Israel was supposed to be under the rulers of prophets and priests. However, that can't be true because God promised Abraham there would be kings in his lineage. So it was always Yahweh's idea to have a king. Israel got in trouble when they demanded something it was not yet time for. So they had to take the best available, which caused them to end up with Saul. If they'd have waited just a few more years... There was a boy standing in a field that his great-grandmother had gleaned in. It's not just a piece of dirt. It's not just a field. It's not just a tent. It's not just a gym. Ruth is gleaning in the field, ends up becoming the wife of Boaz, ends up becoming the mother of Obed, who becomes the mother of Jesse. Obed becomes the father of Jesse. Jesse becomes the father of David. And when Yeshua gets ready to anoint a king for Israel, he doesn't have to wonder where to look. He goes to a certain place. When Yeshua wonders where to find a man to lead the house, He goes to a certain place. He says he's been there all along. Maybe y'all didn't even recognize him. I wasn't even going to talk about this tonight, but I feel it all over my whole body right now. Y'all may not have even noticed him. Matter of fact, when they got ready to anoint the next king of Israel, his father doesn't even think he's significant enough to be invited there to witness the ordination and coronation of one of his brothers. But thank God the oil wouldn't flow until it found the right head. And Samuel said, not yet. Do you have any more? Well, we got one. We never thought about him. We got one. And he said, go get him. And the moment he, he, man looks at the outward appearance, Yahweh looks at the heart, he pours that horn of oil over the head of the Havid, which means the Beloved. He pours the head, the oil, over the beloved identity that David had found. Even when his father did not think highly of him, he played the harp until he won the favor of the father in the dimension of the unseen. He found a place of faithfulness. Yahweh poured a horn of oil on top of him that belonged to the prophet Samuel. Really important to be in a certain place. Some of you better find where you belong and get planted. Because there's some places you'll never make it to personally until you find your place of certitude. He's in a certain place. So, when a virgin was a spouse to a man named Joseph, she's in a barn about to give birth, swaddle a child and lay it in a manger. Yahweh says, I've got an announcement that I want to make. Where should I go? Shepherds abiding in a field outside of Bethlehem. Rabbis believe without question that that was the field David was standing in. That was the field Ruth was gleaning in because there's something about a certain place. Something about me coming back here when I walked in here at 13 years and I remember details of that service like I don't remember details of services I've ministered in in the last 10 years. I remember details. I remember standing in that sanctuary and them taking a piece of butcher paper and shaking it because the offering that morning had been $28,000 and I thought, I think that's the annual church budget at the church that I come from. And they took a piece of butcher paper and they shook it. And you know what it did? It offended the religious 13-year-old in me. Who said, you're not supposed to let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Already. I already had the seed of religion in me. Come on. But I had a father by the name of Aaron Smith. Who said, it's the hardest thing I'm ever going to do. We were having revival, man. We were having youth services on our football field. We were... They wouldn't let us turn the lights on because the elders in the church were offended that there was a greater move of God in the children than there was in the adults. So we would get parents to park their car around the field and turn their headlights on. We'd pray for people until midnight. They were, apostle Aaron can testify to all of this. People stacked up, laying out all over the floor. And he comes to me one day and walks me around that football field as a 13-year-old boy puts his arm around my shoulders weeping. He says, I've got to go find my apostle. I said, go find your what? They're all dead, aren't they? So that first service, he was here, I was here. When Apostle Ball sent him out that first service in Mobile, Alabama, I was there. And I've walked with him for those years because he's become the man in my life that kept me from being misidentified. And it never could have happened had Nolan Ball not been willing to identify Aaron Smith. Watch this, it's interesting now. Let me teach you some things that you need to understand about the apostolic. This is huge. He doesn't have to be an apostle to lead this, okay? Because he's a tribe. Watch this now. That that, That may be in his future. It may not be. I actually feel like I know, but I'm not here to talk about that. What he needs to be able to be is Mark. And he needs you to see the authority that comes with the mantle that the apostolic has placed on his life that gives him permission to function. Now, if listen, listen, this whole ministry will be in a holding pattern if you need him to become anything other than who he's designed to be. For you to move into the dimension you're designed for, they're gonna have to experience the freedom for authentic identification. That's why I'm in his life. It's why Aaron Smith was in my life. And it's why Nolan Ball was in Aaron Smith's life. And it's why the fruit comes to the fourth generation. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, 12 tribes. Abraham, Isaac, called the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who became Israel. What Mark and Eva have attachment to by way of our relationship is a family that extends all over the world. All over the world, we're seeing an incredible move of the Spirit happening. That's their inheritance by way of this relationship that becomes your inheritance. And now this house that has functioned governmentally will now start to function tribally. And you'll start to develop relationships with one another that are unlike anything you've seen. And you'll feel a certitude to be able to feel safe enough to give your life to becoming who Yahweh designed you to be here. And where this place has been transient, it'll become tribal. And generations will put their roots into this house and become trees planted by rivers of living water that bring forth fruit in every season that never know what it's like to have a leaf that withers. It's the Psalm 1 promise. Now watch this. This is interesting. How important is a certain piece of ground? It's a place where you can receive permission to stop wrestling with misidentification. It becomes very personal. In this age, you've got to understand that the altar is... The encounter, the outpouring of the Spirit, is a permission to come into a place of rest. Why is it important for Jacob to learn to rest? Because we need Jacob to dream. Why do we need Jacob to dream? Because Jacob's son is going to be one of the most famous dreamers of all time, Joseph. Who's the most famous son of Jacob? Joseph. There is no tribe of Joseph. You would think if any of Jacob's sons was going to get a tribe named after him, it would be Joseph, not Asher. It's Joseph. I mean, there's a tribe of Benjamin, who's the full-blooded brother of of Joseph. But there's no tribe of Joseph. That's right. There's two tribes named after Joseph. Neither one of them used the name Joseph. It's Ephraim and Manasseh, the two sons of Joseph. See, what happens in, what happens when you and I begin to function as tribally is the fourth generation begins to give permission for what should have fallen on one to begin to fall on not just them, but the next generation. We call that in Carolina necessary transgenerational consciousness. Becoming conscious of the generations. Beginning to live toward who's coming. This is huge. And a certain place becomes a place of rest, which becomes a place where you dream, which becomes the place where you get reidentified, which moves you into the grace for multiplication. Think about this. He laid his head on a rock. Hello, rock. The rock. Now, 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 I've been around this family, so I know the first thing you think when you think rock. Foundation. Government. Authority. But he laid his head on foundation and government and authority, and authority and foundation and government became permission to dream. The gospel of the kingdom is not the message of foundation. The gospel of the kingdom has never had the impact it was supposed to have because people did not embrace the message of government and foundation. Once the message of government and foundation has been embraced by a company of people, watch out. The next thing that happens is the real you comes alive. You start to rest where government has been established, and all of a sudden you start to have dreams. They're unlike anything you ever have, any personal dreams. You become the gate of heaven. That's what this felt like tonight. It felt like the 100th night of, did, did, I mean, is it, was that just me or did, did you come in here tonight and feel like it felt like we've been doing this for night after night, after night just, just, just boom, it was just easy. It was as exactly what apostle Aaron prophesied to me on the phone would happen today. Cause you're going to walk in there and the same oil you've been in is going to be present in that meeting. As soon as you get there. And I'm in my mind, I'm going, that's going to be, we've been in some wild. I mean, y'all been there. We've been some, I'll tell you one story. So this guy, you ready for a story? So this guy feels like the Lord's telling him, I'm not going to give you a lot of details because it could, it, could, it could mess with some things, but this, this guy that I know feels like God told him to go to another country on this day, like, like go today to another country in Asia. And the guy's like, okay, I'm, I don't have a ticket. I'm going to the airport. So he goes to the airport, has all of his luggage. He's standing in line. They have no tickets. Plane is completely full. He's standing there waiting. Somebody's going to give me a ticket. God, God told me to go to Asia. Somebody's going to give me a ticket. So he's standing there, waits. Nobody gives him a ticket. He says, Yahweh, I thought you told me to come here. He said, I did. He said, well, nobody's giving me a ticket. He said, I didn't tell you somebody was going to give you a ticket. I just told you to go there. And he said, well, how do I get there? He said, well, take your luggage and go to the bathroom. So he takes all of his luggage. He rolls in the bathroom. He says, now what? He says, now take your luggage and go get in the stall. Takes all of his luggage, gets in the stall. He said, close the stall. He stood there. He said, now open the stall. He opened the stall and stepped out in Asia. Now some of y'all can't believe that. That's all, I don't, I, it's not important to me whether you believe it or not. I promise you that. Somebody better, somebody better start to dream. There's some, there's some trips you've been designed for. There's some dimensions that you've been ordained for. Well, brother, I don't believe in that. Well, Philip experienced it. Translated from one place to another. I experienced it. Do you know when Nolan Ball went to heaven, I was sitting on the rock in front of this church and I did not drive there. The moment he left, breathed his last breath, I was sitting on that rock in front of that church. With no idea at that time. Apostle Aaron can testify this because I called him and said, "Uh, sir, we have a problem. (laughs) Now I know I was sitting on the rock in front of this church the moment he passed. Because I was stepping into an apostolic seat. And I'm sitting on his rock. And I'm resting on his foundation. And in nations are being impacted because you and I have learned to be seated on the rock of the faithfulness of an apostle's covenant with God. What dreams should we be dreaming? Listen, don't, don't have that foundation and dream normal dreams. Please don't. Let me say it like this. Don't waste that foundation by dreaming normal dreams, by, by wanting to get up and get dressed and go to church on Sunday morning. Don't waste the rock of Abraham's altar by failing to dream a big enough dream. It's time for you to become who you actually are. In John 5, there's a place called the Pool of Bethesda. The word Bethesda actually means house of loving kindness. So There's a place called the House of Loving Kindness. It had five porticos. Yeshua walks in and he finds a man there that had been lame for 38 years. And Most translations say that Yeshua asked him, do you want to be made well? Because some people don't. That's why they avoid government. Some, because people know to whom much is given, much is required, a lot of people will stay away from the place where they have to become who they were designed to be because it'll come with responsibility. And not everybody wants responsibility. Most people want entertainment. Entertainment. As long as you're putting on a good enough show, they'll run with you. But the moment you start to identify the lawless seed that is present on the inside of them, and you say, there's a trickster Jacob in there, they'll break and run instead of wrestling their way into re-identification. At a certain place, you can become who you've been designed to be. He goes to that man, and most translations say he says, do you want to be made whole? What he actually says to him is this. Watch this translation. What he actually says to him, because it's in it's not in, it, it's, it's the aorist tense. It's a present perfect tense. It's an interesting Greek word. He actually says to him, do you want to become as whole as you already are? So that many scholars believe Yeshua didn't actually heal the man. There's nowhere in the text does it say he heals him. It tell, he says, rise, take up your bed and walk. Maybe what the man didn't need was healing. Maybe the man needed to come into agreement with authentic identification. He was already whole. He just couldn't see it yet. So I think one of the reasons why we're here this weekend is to finish an exchange. Bren began to feel this early in the worship service. Isaiah 61 is the prophecy that Jesus would use in Luke 4. Chapter 18, to identify himself when he stands before the scribes and he unrolls the scroll and says, the spirit of Yahweh is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, to mend the brokenhearted, to set those that are, at, 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 those that are captive at liberty. To, remember, beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. This is what he actually says. I want you to see this. This is so interesting. The word poor there where it says I've come to preach the gospel to the poor has nothing to do with finances. If you look at the context and the word, what he actually says is I've come to deal with the depressed and mend their broken hearted. The word is lowly. I'm coming to deal with the people who are living lower than I've designed them to live and that has created in them a broken heart and I'm coming to heal the broken heart. There's a place Yahweh wants to take this family that you can't go with even a hairline fracture. So he's coming after broken hearts. Let me read it to you because I think it's just that important. Isaiah 61. This is a certain place. This is a certain place. I mean, when I say I can trace back everything good about my life, if my apostle doesn't come here, he never goes to Mobile, Alabama. My wife was in Mobile, Alabama. I'm not married to the greatest thing that has ever happened to me outside of Jesus. And she's close. She's right up there with him. Unless my apostle comes and gets joined to apostle because she doesn't live in my hometown, and even though I wanted him to stay in my hometown, keep being my youth pastor for all those years, I'd never meet her if he I'm telling you, every good thing in my life can be traced back to this root. Do you get that? It was my mommy and daddy, my biological parents, that loaded the trucks up to bring Aaron and Robbie's stuff here. What? Think of the magnitude Of a certain place. Certain place. Many couldn't take the message, and because they couldn't take the message, they ended up missing out on a place of certitude, which is the only place you can get authentically identified. So there are people running around trying to expose the world to their gift. If they would have ever gotten appropriately identified, they would have been content to dream the dream Yahweh had for them instead of becoming a cheap imitation of a great original. You don't, you don't honor Nolan Ball by being like Nolan Ball. You honor Nolan Ball by being the best exact version of who you have been designed to be. And there's a lot of people screwed up because there are people trying to act like Nolan Ball in little congregations all over the place. And I'm telling you, that's not what you were sent to do. Don't become a cheap imitation of a great original. Become a great original. Come on, become a great original. Wrestle your way into authentic identification. Jacob is alone, and he wrestled with a man. You know what he named the place? Peniel. Your Bible may say Penuel. The word is Peniel. It's the word for the cone-shaped gland that sits in the deepest part of the brain of a man. Let me just talk. I might not get to Isaiah 61. But Jacob was alone, and he wrestled with a man. And years later, a Jewish neurologist began to dissect the brain and found a gland about the size of a pea that shaped exactly like the pine cone of the long leaf pine. Let he that has an ear to hear hear. That gland he named Peniel, which is exactly what Jacob named the place where he wrestled with Israel. Peniel, and it's that reason people say Jacob wrestled with God because the next thing he says is I have seen the face of God. I don't believe Jacob wrestled with God to see the face of God. I believe Yahweh would not reveal his face to somebody that was less than themselves. That's why, that's why if you want to grow your church, all you have to do is expose them to some religious facade. Because few of them are whole enough in their interior world for it to be safe for Yahweh to reveal his face to them. Jacob became Israel, and the moment he became Israel, it's now safe for him to see the face of God. He names the place Peniel, the gland, the deepest seed in the brain that separates the right and left hemisphere of the brain is now called the pineal gland. Many people call it the third eye. which is exactly what I believe Yeshua meant when he said, if your eye be single, then your whole body will be full of light. I'm, I'm talking too much, but let me get this part out. If your eye, You don't have an eye. What do you mean if your eye? He should have said, if your eyes be single. Unless he was talking about another eye that was the deepest part of how you think. See, The word repent does not mean turn and go in the other direction. If you were taught that, you were taught incorrectly. The word repent is metanoia, and it means to change the way you think. Now, the, the end result of changing the way you think will be that you turn and go in the other direction. But if you try to turn and go in the other direction without changing the way that you think, your direction will ultimately be dictated by your thought process. People don't have behavior problems. They have thinking problems. The problem with getting people to change the way they think is they have to use the same mechanism that generated the original thought to generate the secondary thought right? Change the way that you think. The third eye, the pineal gland that separates the right and left hemisphere of the brain. Why is it important to go through the process of identification? Because a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways and Yeshua never intended for you to have a right and left side of your brain. He intended for you to be whole in your thinking not a right hemisphere and a left hemisphere, that's a secondary consequence of the curse. Adam did not have a division in his mind. Adam had wholeness in his mind. And the standard for how you and I are supposed to function is not the apostle Paul. It's the man Adam who inherited a certain place. Don't make the standard for the gospel Peter or Paul when you and I have actually been given permission to function according to a pre-designed intention that was established when Yahweh set his image in a garden. The oiduth, or the pattern of heaven was the garden of Eden and the image of Yahweh was Adam himself. Let us make man in our image. All dominion and rule was to come as a secondary consequence of image bearing and image bearing was to come as a secondary consequence of proximity. So therefore, what y'all always trying to do is get us close enough to the face of who he is that we can become agents of refraction and reflection of who he's designed for us to be. This is, this is the key. The key is that you confuse people. I'm ordering coffee yesterday. I'm ordering coffee in Rosemary Beach, which may be the Garden of Eden. I haven't decided yet. But anyway, I'm, I'm, it's better than where I live. I promise you that. So anyway, I'm in there and I'm ordering coffee and the young girl, she may be in here, I don't know, but she, she steps back and tears fill in her eyes. And she says, your, your, your eyes. And she, was, it was, she says, your, your eyes, they're clear. She goes, I've never seen that in a man only a woman. She said, I didn't know a man could have clean eyes. She said, you walk with the Lord. Because you know, I look so much like a Christian. (laughs) You know, when I walk up, it screams man of God. (laughs) Or parole. I don't know. (laughs) Wanted. Dead or alive. She began to identify me. I'd been struggling with sickness in my body, been on two rounds of antibiotics and couldn't get free. The moment she identified me, I had no more pain in my body. That's that's yesterday. What what is about to be made whole in you as you go through the process of re-identification? This is what he's trying to do. He's trying to bring you into face-to-face. He designed you for face to face, but he will not show his face to the part of you that is a secondary consequence of a broken heart. He's going to call you into wholeness. And by way of wholeness, this is what he'll show you grace. He'll show you mercy. He'll show you favor. He'll show you all of those things while you're still an imposter, but it's never to let you stay an It's to provoke you to become whole enough to be who he designed you to be and not care on any level how that's perceived by any other but him. So then I can say I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm no longer a slave to fear. The most paralyzing current manifestation of fear in the earth is the fear of man. Yahweh is looking for a certain place where he can name a certain people by way of a certain covenant that begin to bring a certain transformation to the cosmos. That's happening here. I want you to see that. That that's happening here. And it's important, really, really important that that seat is filled by a grandson and a grand son. Why, why is that so huge? It's so huge. Because what Isaac had to do. Is Isaac had to fight through a certain level. In order to give the next generation permission. In, in this. I, I want you to see this. I want you to see this like this. If, if oh, Nolan Ball is an Abraham. And I believe that he is. Then Aaron Smith is an Isaac. And I believe that he is. Then I'm a Jacob. Who's becoming an Israel. So that this man can become part of a tribe. He has to be Joseph. He, I'm just going to name him. <laughs> You're a Joseph. And there's a dreamer in you. I remember Nolan Ball prophesying to him and him standing up and doing this same thing. I declare you're going to finish. There's a dreamer in you, Joseph. I call you Joseph. I discern, I declare that there is a dreamer in you. You are a discerner of dreams. You're not just a man who has dreams, you're a man who understands dreams and you are a dreamer. And you are going to dream concerning Bay County. You're going to dream that trees that were tormented by the wind are going to be restored even if it's ecologically impossible. You're going to begin to speak to things that are as dead and they're going to come back to life life again. You're going to save that that is currently in a famine. That's what Joseph did. And I'm going to give you governmental seats of influence in order to see Bay County begin to sing her song of freedom and what was a certain small place, you're now expanding the territory and all of Bay County is going to become a certain place to the glory of Almighty Yahweh. You're dreamers of dreams. I place an apostolic mantle upon you that you will be able to walk in the weight of glory that brings people into a place of triumph. Don't be afraid to be wild. and Don't be afraid to be free. Don't be afraid to be unorthodox. Don't be afraid to be authentic. For I declare that you are being sent to become a tribe And there's a measure of multiplication coming upon you that will be supernatural. I will multiply your seed. I will multiply your sons and daughters in the earth. I will multiply you in the arena of influence and government. I will multiply you financially. Even from this point forward, there will be tremendous supernatural growth and financial increase. I see it. I see it. You're a dreamer. You're a dreamer. Yahweh's about to put a coat of many colors on you. (sighs) You're emitting spectrums in this place tonight. I feel them coming off of you. I honor the frequency coming out of you. I join with the frequency coming out of you. Eva, you have many colors. You are multicolored. Yahweh's going to begin to cause spectrums to fly from you. You're going to begin to get creative ideas, creative faults. I declare the artist on the inside of you is waking up to become all that Yahweh has designed you to be. Don't be afraid to wear your coat of many colors. It will be offensive to some that pretend that they're your brothers, but Benjamin will know. Benjamin will always honor the coat of many colors on Joseph Benjamin honors the coat of many colors on Joseph and I declare Joseph and Benjamin are going to run together and see the dream of Yahweh over Bay County hurricane was important because Joseph is designed to know how to deal with famine oh man oh man Joseph and Benjamin. This is a re. This is a reidentification. Even, even I don't know. I know this is your dad's name, but I'm saying from Mark to it's your name too. Your first name's Joseph. Oh, <laughs> Oh that's literally Joseph and Benjamin. You can't make you can't make this up. Before God, before God, I did not know his name was Joseph. And your mo- your mother's a dreamer of dreams. And you you saw something in her that reminded you of her cuz she's a dreamer of dreams there's generations in you just keep dreaming just keep dreaming there's generations in you there's generations in you oh feel this I'm telling you I feel this Yahweh will the day the day will come Yahweh will lead you to adoption and that'll be very, a very significant day you'll know when that day comes you'll not have to search out you'll find this is really interesting I see a, mm, thank you, Yahweh. I see a little Asian baby in your arms. I don't know what I'm touching on right now, but I'm telling you what I see. Yahweh said, That's a sign that I'm going to make you a father and a mother to nations. This This is what the foundation was laid for. This is still a base to touch the world. This is still a great church, and now it's time to evangelize Bay County. How do you do that? We don't need to hand out tracts and and go out on Friday nights. There's there's no mall left anymore to hand out tracts anyway. You just keep hosting what you encountered tonight, what you've been encountering in that little white building. You just keep hosting what you've been hosting. This is what's going to happen. Some are going to just get honest enough to say if this is a certain place, then there should be no more trickster left in me. There was a trickster in Isaac. There was a trickster in Isaac's wife. There was a trickster in Isaac's brother-in-law who became Jacob's father. It was a man by the name of Laban. There was a trickster in Jacob's mother. There was a trickster in Jacob. And there was none of it in Joseph. And there was none of it in Benjamin. You and I are the generation that finishes the last of the heel-grabbing. So that this generation can be free to dream with no agendas and no competition and none of the foolish backstabbing and betrayal that other generations have had to deal with. I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. Joseph and Benjamin. I'm going to probably do some more of this tomorrow, but I see this over you tonight, so I want to declare it in this moment over you. I know we got people here from all over the place, but concerning this certain place, I don't know why Yahweh keeps whispering certain place to me, but it was a certain place. This is not a random spot. This is a certain place. This is where a man and a woman walked away from a denomination and fought hell to walk away from that denomination, to establish the apostolic, that everybody in my world is drinking from the fountain of those decisions in those days, and I honor that. Miss Shirley, I honor you. So thankful. So thankful. Apostle Ball, years ago, he said, I don't, he said, I don't fully understand what this means. He said, but you have a voice in this. House, Mark referenced it tonight. I think this is what he meant. I think he knew a lot more than he knew. He knew a lot. He knew even more than he knew. He was setting up a foundation for this place to become all that he designed it to be. And these sons are going to help carry. I want you to, if I left here and you gave me any gift, more than any amount of money you could give me, you give me the gift of seeing this man and this woman rightly. Don't make him have white hair to be able to see him correctly. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Because I'm telling you, if, if you have a problem with that, you have a problem with that, then you fail to understand generational consciousness. That this is what Nolan Ball wanted all along. He wanted sons, grandsons, great great grandsons, and great to do what? I've heard him say it so many times stand on his shoulders. Right? Take this thing to another level. It's happening. Embrace that. Honor that. And make sure there's not a piece of you still working an angle. Make sure there's not a piece of you that's still grabbing a heel. Jacob's name means trickster. Jacob became Israel. And Israel was the fulfillment of everything God promised Abraham. Those sons became the tribes and their sons became tribes. Something, this is probably coming into this why, why I got on the phone with Apostle Aaron today. This is as providential as anything I feel like I've ever been a part of in my whole life. This is, this is in, in some sense, numerically, this is really small compared to a lot of the other things that God's enabled us to be a part of. However, I have the sense this is the biggest thing I've ever been a part of. There's something so providential on me returning here 33 years after the first time that I came here in this seat of authority to be able to help leverage this family into the measure of the outpouring of the Spirit that you were designed for. Holy Spirit is going to begin to move in some extremely unprecedented ways on the foundation of the family that's been established here. And I bless you. Tyler, I want you to come. I'm going to shift this around a little bit. Anna, I want you to come to um, put Anna to work. Another one of those step-out-of-the-stall stories. So our worship leader at our church in South Carolina has a dream. and In the dream, he's pulling old albums off of a shelf. He reaches up and he pulls an old album off of the shelf and he looks at it and it's an album from the Brownsville Revival. And so he goes to prayer at the sanctuary the next morning and he pulls up on his phone an old Brownsville Revival album and he starts to play the album. And there's a violin playing on the album and he just prays this simple prayer, God, I want you to send us a violin player like the one they had at the Brownsville Revival. He prays that on a Saturday morning, Sunday morning, we get to church, we're all standing in a circle, the leaders talking about what we're going to do that day because we don't have a plan. Tyler England walks up and says, hey, y'all know that lady, Anna, that goes to the church? We're like, yeah, we know Anna. He said, you know, she's the lady on that Brownsville album playing that violin. She had already moved and was a part of our church just to experience the outpouring of the Spirit and nobody had any idea she even played an instrument God didn't send him a violin player he sent him the violin player it's a certain place it's weird stuff starts happening in a place of certitude it's a certain place it's a certain place he stepped out of the stall and he was in Asia so y'all, see some of you still don't believe that I'm cool I'm cool. Go- <laughs> you don't have to believe anything I said for me to believe it. I can prove it. The glory that you feel moving in this place is just getting started. The manifestation of the glory of Yahweh is just getting started. This thing is going to go from glory to glory to glory to glory. But I am sent here to announce a new age. A new day has come, the day of rest, the day of peace and the day to dream. Of the increase of His government and of His peace, there'll be no end. Wherever there's maximum yield on government, it has to manifest as peace. Because government and peace increase together. Of the increase of His government and peace, there'll be no end. The increase of the glory of Yahweh on this house, there'll be no end. This represents a turn in the road. This represents the transition into a new age. We've come here to apostolically decree that a new day has come for the Rock of Bay County and things will never be the same again. Come on. Is there anybody who will dare to agree with me tonight? A new day has come. We'll never be the same again. If somebody can come help me by just scooting this out of the way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you. I know that I know that this room, Yahweh revealed this to me this morning early when I was praying. This room has people, you want to do this, and you want to make this turn, and you want to get this right, and you want to embrace this reidentification, but it, the heart is so broken. There's been so much disappointment, there's been so many unmet expectations. That even the idea of dreaming the dream seems too far out of reach for you. And Yahweh says, the first thing Yeshua ever said he was sent to do, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me, to preach good news to the lowly and bind up their broken hearts. It's the first thing he was sent to do. And I just feel like we have to give space tonight for people who say, I want this. I I hear you. I want this. I hear you. I I don't know how to let myself believe. So hurt. So disappointed. So wounded. Friend, all of that is real. And the first thing Yeshua wants to do the first thing he wants to do is come deal with the measure of a broken heart. There are people starting to come already. If you're in this room tonight and you need a breakthrough in the area of receiving wholeness in your heart, I just want you to come from all over the room. Just come from all over the room. The first thing he does is bind up the brokenhearted. Come on, I want you to come. There are dreamers in here and you're not going to be able to dream the dream until you deal with the broken heart. You're not going to be able to release your spectrum and your frequency until you deal with the broken heart. I want you to come. If you're coming, please come all the way forward. You now, there's a lot of people coming behind you. Whew. I want some of my sons and daughters to begin to move in and through the room and begin to pray for some of these. All of you, move quickly. Bind up the brokenhearted. Come on, even as you let those tears flow, healing begins to come. Yes. Come on, he's touching that heart. He's touching that heart. There's a dream that He designed you to dream. And He came tonight to deal with the broken heart. If there's anybody else, I want you to come quickly. Don't do the deal where you say you're going to deal with this in your seat. Come quickly. He's come to heal the broken heart. There you go, right there. Right there, right there. Right there. Sets the captives at... Liberty by way of the healing of the broken heart. You're going to dream again. You're going to dream again. You're going to dream again. Come on, you're in a place of certitude. is a certain place you'll mark the turn in the road that was the night he healed me and I was able to dream again that's the night that's the spot that's the moment he healed me and I was able to dream again again come rest your head on the rock rest your head on the place of foundation that that's been established so you can dream again I want to dream again I want to dream again Come on, let him bind up your broken heart. There's good news for the lowly. There's good news for the depressed, the downtrodden. There's a coat of many colors with your name on it. Yeah. There's beauty for your ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness I call you into a place of rest. I call you out of your striving, out of your own effort, your own energy, and I call you into a place of rest. Of the increase of His government and peace, there'll be no end. listening. For more information on the Rock of Bay County, please go to therockofbc.org.